let's say starting and uh, apparently we are live so great apologies people for uh, if you if you are waiting obviously we had a bit of technical problems but uh, we got there in the end um nigel thank you so much for taking your precious time i know that uh, you have a lot of things you're involved with so i really appreciate it um you know i think that the things you have to share is is so invaluable from your story and very encouraging so we'd love you know i think we can we can really add a lot of value and encourage people for, through through this chat uh, but we'll try and keep it you know sort of um, not too long as well i just wanted to say briefly obviously you know justice conversations is a bit of a, a new thing and some people are still confused as to what it's about but really we just want to create a platform where we talk to people about this issue which is so broad of justice um, and talk about the things in our world that really is is wrong I I mean, it's, you know, again, where do you start? But, um, but, but to try and be practical and helpful and encouraging and saying that things don't have to be this way. They can change. Um, and the conversations part of it is, is really about creating um, honest conversations, you know, um, uh, the types of conversations where we, can, we, we have to be a little bit vulnerable and a little bit honest and say things that, uh, you know, that, 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 that are maybe difficult, difficult to say. So we want to go on that yeah. journey and we want to involve people, uh, people like yourself, other people who are just passionate about making a difference um, and try to really push in and see where it leads us, you know, and, and I do this against a lot of fear and insecurity, but I think it's, it's necessary that we do speak up, you know? Um, so, but thank you so much for your time. I, I, I wonder if you would just for, you know, uh, we, we'd like to show this video to a lot of people. Some will know you, but some won't know you at all. If you wouldn't mind just, you know, taking enough time, just explaining your background and um, how, how it led to your decision to move to you and your whole family to Hillbrow in Johannesburg. Uh, if, if any of our viewers are not from South Africa, Hillbrow and Hannesburg is sort of, you know, perceived to be extremely dangerous, not the sort of place you want to want to live, really. You know, there, there are other suburbs if you want to be yeah. comfortable that you'd go to. So, um, yeah, if, over to you. Thank you. Yeah, Eugene, thanks for, for having me on, on, on air and looking forward to it's such a privilege to be. I think this is your first conversation. Eh? Yes, it is. <laughs> have to start with the good ones. So. <laughs> yeah, um, well, hopefully you'll get some good ones later. I mean, our, our story really, I think, is, is uh, I mean, my prayer is it becomes a more ordinary one. Um, I think that uh, we were looking at where South Africa was at as, as Christians and deeply concerned that our Christianity was uh, not... Um, making a difference in the nation. And, and the more we participated in church and the way church was operating, um, we, we felt that there was a disconnect between what was happening in the world and what was happening in the church, you know. And I think there was a, for, for us, we were really confronted with issues around the gospel. What is the gospel? Um, how does the gospel speak into um, of our day? As we looked at South Africa, we felt there were sort of five or six major challenges facing the nation. Um, I think we, we've come to understand there, there's more now, but um, so challenges. I, I think we looked at the National Planning Commission report, and of course it talks about um, crumbling infrastructure, high disease burden, uh, the challenges of HIV AIDS. It talks about um, uh, poor educational outcomes. But under, underpinning all of these issues in South Africa were these 
two massive issues of extreme poverty and extreme inequality. And um, my Christianity certainly wasn't speaking into that context. And, and living as a white, middle-class Christian, we had a six-bedroom home. Um, our Christianity, in, in many senses, was just irrelevant to what was actually happening in South Africa. We, we learned that 57% of South Africans are living in extreme poverty. Um, and we started to question, well, what would Jesus do into this context? And then we also asked questions like, well, what is behind this? You know, And um, we looked at things like, for me, greed, a massive driver in South Africa, um, uh, greed, consumerism, materialism, individualism, racism, patriarchy. These are all massive, um, if you like, God's worldviews, ways of thinking that have set themselves up against the knowledge of Christ and that are controlling our society in such a way that people are left isolated um, from one another, that people are left oppressed, that people are left in extreme poverty and, and extremely deg degradating conditions. You know, So um, we, we started to ask questions like, what would it look like if, if, um, if we followed Jesus in his way? And we read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you know, the, the Sermon on the Mount, which talks about, about um, a counterculture, upside-down lifestyle. So, you know, blessed are the poor, uh, blessed are those who persecuted. It talks about love your enemies, bless those who persecute you. Um, it talks about um, uh, that the way to gain life is to lay down your life. You know, those kinds of things. It's the, the way of Jesus is actually a counterculture way. So... Uh, as much as you're talking about this being a, for me, it's a gospel conversation because a gospel that fails to address the issues of our day is not a gospel. It's not good news. Um, Jesus didn't just come to give us life after death. He came to give us life before death. Um, so the question is, what, what, is, what does it look like if we want to become a sign of hope, a, a proclamation of the gospel? And I, I believe Jesus doesn't just want our us to proclaim the gospel with our voices. He wants to, us to proclaim it with our lives. So how do we lay down our lives in such a way that we, we demonstrate that another world is possible? You know, how do we become a sign of hope that, that um, Jesus is indeed, um, um, he, he provides hope into the brokenness of the world. What is the good news? Yeah. So in, in a, that's what we did. We moved into Hilbra, um to, to kind of counter the problems and the challenges of this world so we could demonstrate that a different way of doing life in a different world is possible. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, I, um, I, I'll, I've got a couple of questions lined up, but um, if you could just elaborate, how, do you, how, do you get to the, how did you get to that point of saying, okay, so we've, we've read the Gospels, we, we, we have this conviction, uh, it's theory, but then you actually have to, you know, the hammer has to drop, you have to make that decision that now we're yeah. moving. Uh, I'm very interested in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to, to also just come to your intro video, I mean, um, the idea of me looking a little bit like Superman and even the intro to Superman is, is just so <laughs> far from the that. truth. Um, but it is something that, that many people think is people who are following Jesus and taking him seriously, they begin to elevate them and put him on a pedestal. When the reality is, is that all of our journeys are broken journeys and we come from places of brokenness, you know, and uh, my journey is not perfect. Um, 
the journey of most of the heroes of our faith are not are not perfect. Um, but I tell you one who is perfect and we follow him and we we start to get a revelation of who he is and we start to follow him and we start to say, Jesus, you're worthy of our lives. And, um, you know, faith comes from hearing the word of God. Um, but actually, you know, you can hear the word of God and you can hear the call of God to move towards things that you fear. Um, but until you take the decision to act upon what the word of God's saying, um, grace doesn't come. So literally it's about taking small steps. And, and as you take that step in the direction of what God's calling you into and inviting you into, you suddenly find, Oh man, this isn't what I feared. This is, this is exciting. This is an adventure, you know? So, you know, we did things like we put a wall down the center of our home and we moved into, into half of our home so that we could live off less because we believed that greed and consumerism and materialism were some of the things that had consumed us. And so how did we confront it in ourselves? We put the wall down the center of our home. Suddenly we found new things. We were discovering new things. We had more money available in our budget. Um, we, could, we could give more. We could live more generous lives. We started making a target um, that we wanted to live off. Uh, we talked at the time about double the national average income. Uh, now I think we're living off just less than that because um, we we talk we thought double double portion was blessing you know um, in in the reality as white South Africans we're living so far away from the national average we're living so far away from um, where people are at and we're consuming things really for ourselves you know so um, that means that there is not enough for for everybody in South Africa. And we're actually contributing towards the problems of poverty. You know, there is enough for everyone's need, but there's not enough for everyone's greed. You read stats like, you know, there's there's um, two people in South Africa who've got the equivalent wealth of the bottom 50%. So 25 million people have got the same wealth and income as the top 50% of South Africa, uh, as, as, the, as the two richest richest two South Africans, just two people. That's insane, you know. And then you read you read Jesus and he talks about, about laying down your life and, and um, um, even Jesus's model, you know, um, of how he left his, his, his comfort and convenience of heaven to come and dwell amongst us. And uh, the incarnational nature of Jesus that he incarnates himself into pain. And it's like, we discover Jesus best when, when we, when we really are, placing ourselves in the hurting and broken worlds. Um, not that we are perfect, but in our own brokenness and, and um, we begin to discover wholeness and we discover the good news that, you know, you, you think of the symbols of our faith of breaking bread and, and it says we break um, open and share that we, we receive the resurrection revelation of Christ, you know. Um, I, I mean, a friend of mine, Grant, um, uh, Craig Stewart uh, talks about this. Um, you should interview him on a show. Um, but he's a really great guy to speak to. But he talks about um, he talks about Thomas and you know in his doubting. And I think many of us Christians are are like Thomas. You know, we kind of we want to see something in order to know who Christ is. You know, and Thomas puts his hand into the wound of Christ. And that's where he discovers the resurrection, you know. And um, it's when we put our hand into the woundedness of this world 
that we discover the resurrection and the power of Christ. It's, it's sometimes you can see the wound, you have been told about the wound, but it's only when you put your hand in the wound that you, you taste and smell and feel and sense, oh man, God is a God of healing. Um, our revelation of who God is, is God is best revealed when, when we're desperate and, bro- and, and there's brokenness around us and we're relying on him to, to come and heal and restore, you know. Anyway, so that, that doesn't really um, talk to the journey, <laughs> but it's a journey. What you know? I- what I, I think to to be practical, and I think this is what what most people struggle with, is you know it's one thing to in theory agree that uh, we should be doing more, we should be making a difference, you know. But I think that there is that sense, and that I pick up well in myself, but as I have conversations with other people about what to do about the you know all the the pain and suffering in the world to make a difference is that it's almost like your throat starts to sort of contract you know you you start um you're really getting that insecure sense of you know how can i how can i what am i supposed to do am i supposed to be like nigel and move to hillbrow you know sell everything um it, and it is this i mean there there are instances in the bible where you know i mean jesus says to the rich young ruler go and sell everything give it to the poor come follow me and 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 so i guess my question to you is do you do you think that that it you know do, do people need to go on a journey of saying um well do something do a little bit here and there uh, is it, you know, or do, is, is it, is it just radical sort of, um, no, you've got to change everything. You've got to quit your job. Is it somewhere in the middle? What, you know, how practically speaking, because what I'm trying to do on the one hand is allay some fears, but on the other hand, you know, I don't want to compromise and say, well, uh, mm. you know, if that's the right thing to do, then we should all be doing it. Yeah. Um, I think that, that, uh, um, I think, uh, um, Sorry, just somebody walking in at the door. Um, I think uh, part of the challenge um, with that question is it's 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 a question that's very easy to to compromise in and to to read uh, different stories and different persons and different narratives into. Um, I, you know, the story of the rich young ruler. If you were to take that into modern day terms, who are the rich young rulers in South Africa? And um, I, I don't believe Jesus would necessarily be saying it to South Africa's poor, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor. But I do believe he would be saying it to the rich young rulers in South Africa. So to maybe preface what I'm saying with, I do believe that for white South Africans, and this maybe is very hard to hear, but I believe for white South Africans without privilege, if we really are going to address what's happened in South Africa, we need to all, um, inverted commas, commit class suicide. We need to sell our possessions, we need to sell the wealth that we have, and we need to become downwardly mobile, and we need to share our possessions with um, with our neighbors, share our possessions and share our privilege. I think that there is something of us, imagine what would happen in South Africa if every white South African Christian sold their stuff, moved towards the margins, shared their stuff until we broke the back of poverty and inequality. That is the solution, for, that is part of the solution for South Africa. Having said that, um, I think that you know, the, 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 if 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 we um, if we don't have love, we can sell all our possessions, and it's meaningless. So we can't do this from an academic sense. So for me, the I, I think that that part of what we've got to do in this journey 
is we've got to form equal loving relationships with the, with the hurting world. And um, especially with people who don't have privilege, especially with people who've been disadvantaged historically for long times. And it's out of those loving relationships that we can then begin to, to make the sacrifices and changes over time that we need to make. Um, the, the reality is the poor have been waiting. The, the, I don't think that it's fair for us to say the poor can just wait longer and longer and longer for, for our journey, you know, to be perfect. I think there are some steps we need to take, which are radical steps. Um, the injustice in South Africa is so great. You know, we moved into Hillbrow the first year we moved in, we had five friends who had babies and four of their babies died. Um, and this is a direct result of the consequences of, of a very unjust system. And, and, we have to have inside of us an urgency to address the injustice of, of, um, of a system where, where we have an economic elite. And so I don't think I'm, 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 uh, I'm probably the, the, the I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I do think that as Christians, especially white South African Christians, class suicide is something that we need to all seriously consider and we need to move towards because our privilege has actually prevented many people in South Africa from, from um, experiencing life. And I know that that's hard to say, but the, the, the little um, caveat, if you like, is let's do this thing in love. Um, it's much easier to make sacrifices when they're made because you love somebody. So we make sacrifices for our children because we love them. We make sacrifices for our spouses because we love them. We make sacrifices for, um, people that we get to know because we don't want to see them suffering because we love. And um, so the first step I think is to, is to engage in loving relationships, engage in conversations. Don't go out to your local, you know, your closest area where in commas, poor people live. It's crazy to say that, but don't go out there seeking to be a white savior. Go there seeking to form equal genuine relationships start with wherever you are the uh, you know white south africans domestic workers um we start we get to know people who are close to us go and visit each other recognize that one of the greatest injustices we have is for most of us we don't pay living wages we've always asked the question what does it mean that we we uh, how, how can she live off that or our, the person who works in our garden how does he live off that but we never really ask the question, how do they live off that, you know? And if we ask that question, we would be shocked. And, you know, so many people say, oh, she's like my family, you know. Well, no, she's not. She doesn't share in your inheritance. She doesn't have um, that much value that you even pay her enough, you know. So we have to find ways through loving relationships to to address the selfishness inside of us, which is, it requires some heart surgery. It requires some actions to to do. But the, the amazing thing is that um, nobody gives up all of these things and doesn't find the most beautiful thing, which is Christ himself, you know. And we can, we can give up our possessions. We can give up all of the things we have. But the, the, the inheritance that we have is Christ himself and the hope of glory. And um, Jesus is worthy of our sacrifice. He's worthy of our lives. And um, it's beautiful when we start to love in radical ways. Yeah, that, that's really good. Really challenging. I'm a, 
um, you know, you made me think of, I think there's a saying by Mother Teresa, you know, while she refers to the poor, um, but she says, you know, it's very fashionable to talk of the poor. It's not so fashionable to speak to the poor. Yeah. And I've got to say that 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 is that's a big challenge for me, and I think that is you know where we have to start, as you say, is is to just go out and and build relationship. When and and I think we do have this culture, and it's such a fear-driven culture of our gated communities and isolation, and sort of keeping your head down. Um, you know, I don't know if you can speak into this, but what I see is, is, you know, I, I, we, we, we developed like a personal finances course in our church. And so I've had a lot of conversation with people who actually they're earning phenomenal, but they've overcommitted on debt and they're in a situation where they, I mean, you know, it's like sometimes you buy a car and you pay it off over five years, you get to a certain point, three years in, and you realize it was, you know, well, hopefully sooner, but you realize it was a mistake, but that point then than what the car's worth and you can't even sell it you have to pay money in to sell it and those sorts yeah. of things where people have just been completely irresponsible um so you know for them they 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 live in this life where they feel that they're in a form of slavery um they have to go to work they they come home they you know they have to keep doing this and they're mm. they're hoping for a ship to come in you know like a, a bonus or a new job or something um, and then sometimes, you know, things like tithing and giving towards church is seen as a mechanism to sort of escape that, you know, that if I impress God enough, then he's going to come and clear my debt. If you see what I'm saying, there are there are these sort of challenges that the middle class sit with. And we're so wrapped up in our own world that we think that this is, the, oh, this is so bad. This is so terrible. But in the bigger scheme of things, you know, we're missing the, you know, the, the forest for the trees. We're missing the bigger issues and the bigger challenges. And we never get to a point where we're serving anybody else. All we're trying to do is just pay off debt and, and, and get ahead, which we never do. Yeah. I mean, it is the slavery that is the system, eh? And that's how the system works. It makes us feel that we, I mean, all of us are, are slaves in a way to the system. But the way out of the system in, in many ways is, is exactly that. I remember... Trish and I, we were live, we we got married, and you know we had a small circular, a small budget, and you know every year you get your increase, and then you live off more, and then you get another increase, and you live off more, um, until you know. And as white South Africans with our education, and everything, very soon we're living off a hang of a lot, and we're always right at the at the boundaries of of what we're living off, and at some point we have to take a decision that this is just insane. It's insane to think that we have to consume in this way. I mean, we had a six-bedroom home, thousand seven hundred square meter property, swimming pool. We didn't have, we didn't know our neighbours. It's a crazy, crazy, crazy lifestyle, you know. And um, at some point, when we made the decision, we said we're going to aim towards um, towards uh, living off double the national average. At that time, it was like one fifth of what we were living off, and it was impossible, you know, to to, to head towards that, you know, but we slowly started to make decisions. We got rid of, I mean, the first step was the wall down the center of our home. Then it was getting rid of two cars. Then it was, you know, getting rid of some of the other things. Eventually, now, when we've moved into Hilbra, we've got rid of things like medical aid because most South Africans don't have, have the privilege of medical aid. And why must I have privilege of medical aid when other South Africans don't have the privilege of medical aid? 
So, and I, I tell you this, we'll change the healthcare system if more of us begin to use the public healthcare system, especially those with privilege and those with power, because unless those with privilege and power use the, medic, the, the healthcare system, um, those with privilege and power are not going to speak out enough to actually change the healthcare system, you know? So um, we've got to make the changes. We've got to become downwardly mobile until we're living off so that there's enough resources for everybody in the country, you know, um, you know, the, the, the prosperity, prosperity gospel has taught us that there's infinite resources and it's simply not true. The planet is finite. You know, I do believe God's a big God and he can supply all of our needs, but it doesn't, the Bible really doesn't talk about him, us all living like, um, like uh, Bill Gates and, and these types of people who, who have just accumulated so much. It's just evil, you know, um, and we actually worship them. We put them on the front cover of magazines, these people who've accumulated so much that there's not enough for everybody on the planet. It's just not okay. We've got to adopt a counterculture lifestyle that moves towards, you know, Mother Teresa, you quoted her. She says, live simply so that others can simply live. And when you become downwardly mobile, you begin to take your excess and you begin to sow it into your communities and you begin to see, well, actually, you know, I've got friends now who, beginning to thrive and beginning to live and beginning to enjoy life you know our kids discover the the world that we're dreaming of is is actually worthy of some sacrifices you know anyway no, absolutely I, I i i do you need to be you know honest. i'm saying these that what's what's a value for me in these conversations is being honest if we're not honest yeah really then then we're not going to wrestle with the issues and we're not going to grow we're just going to walk away and and keep our opinions to ourselves but i mean what you're speaking is i do feel like the response of the rich young ruler where there is sort of mm. the sadness in my heart of saying wow you know i don't measure up to that standard and 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 having to go away and i feel you know i've always thought the bible doesn't say what happened to the rich young ruler but yeah. we can imagine that there are several possible outcomes and i do yeah. think that our hearts do need to be grieved we do need to get to that realization of no we don't measure up um but then what are we going to do about it are we going to you know go and then just be ignorant of it and 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 sort of convince ourselves that we're doing enough or are we going to go on a journey of saying no i need to do more you know and how how radical can i can i be and i appreciate as well you know i think in some situations you might have uh people who are married where one spouse has a certain conviction and the mm -hmm. other doesn't you know, and squaring yeah. those sorts of things. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just giving you my honest response. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hear you, Brea, and, and the, the, the grace of God enables us to do incredible things, you know. Um, for us, we, the, you know, the, the beauty of who Jesus is, is we, we, need, to, we need to get, that's, we, we see Jesus and his beauty, and he is the pearl of great price. You know, when you see the king and his kingdom, you can go and sell all your, your field and you could go and seek that thing, you know. And I do, you know, we talk about about eternity, and um, Francis Chan's got this amazing thing with eternity. He talks about the long string and the short string, you know, and, um, and, and kind of the string for eternity just goes round and round and round and round the world thousands, billions of times. It just never ends. But right at the end is this little portion of the string which represents our life, you know. And we live as this, this is the thing which really counts. Um, and um, one of our preachers in our circle of churches used to say, um, 
it's it's a brief burp in eternity you know it's like boop, and it's over you know um our life is really it's just this little bit you know and um but how we live here is important for eternity you know um and and we need to shape the world we need to shape uh, what the world can be like i don't want my kids to live in a world where there's it's still consumed in the same values and and there's so much suffering around them and they just live in their gated communities separate from the realities of of what's happening um but yeah just to talk to the spouse issue I th- and and also our kids you know we th- this thing of love love enables you to sacrifice you know so when you you know people talk about and you talked about it people talk about i, I have a heart for the poor do you know the poor do you know people who are poor um, because when you get to know people who are poor, when you get to know people who who have faced oppression, you get to know them not just as I visited them for five minutes on the street corner when I drove past a homeless person, you know, but have have you had dinner in each other's homes? Have you have you your life stories with each other? Can you hear me still? Um, I can hear you, but I think I've lost your video. Uh, let me see if I can get your video oh, there back. There we go. Yeah? You're back. Yeah. So if you share your brokenness with one another and you share your life stories with one another, and I, I think sharing stories with that somebody knows my my issues and I know their issues, it's easy then to sacrifice. So so whatever we do, if we birth it in love, it's easy. If we birth it out of some sort of Oh, I've got to do this, you know. I've got to do more. I've got to do more. That's not what Christianity is about, you know. We don't have to do more. Christ has done it all. But I tell you, there is something beautiful when we fall in love with Him and we fall in love with His people, and we fall in love with the world, and we 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 love the world in such a way that that we Jesus loved the world so much that He gave His only Son. God loved the world so much He gave His only Son, you know. So. That's the good news, is that we too can lay down our lives, you know. That's so good. Um, I've got a, a question I wanted to ask you, if you could just elaborate on it briefly. But how do you see sort of the difference between charity and, and justice? You know, we're obviously using this word justice for a reason, but I, I have yeah. an idea what you might say. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly that, what we've been talking about, isn't it? Uh, that charity can lead to justice. In fact, the root of the word charity, charis, I think is, is from the word love, you know. Um, and so love needs to lead to justice. Um, Cornel West says, of course, that, that justice is love in public. I think he says it like that. So when we practice love in the public sphere, we're practicing justice. And, um, and I don't think that charity is enough. You know, charity is often about giving of our excess, so it's exactly because we're living in the. Sorry, can you hear me now? Because we're living in this world where we've become slaves. Have you got me again? I can, yes, sorry, carry on. Because we're living in this world where we've become slaves and enslaved, um, we're always living in these very, very tight spaces financially. And charity says, you know, just give your 10% or give your, your little bit extra um, to, to the poor or to the church or whatever. But actually, all of our wealth belongs to God. And when you look at the language of most of the New Testament, when it talks about dealing with the poor, it uses this word sharing. 
Will you share your bread with the hungry? Will you, um, you know, so, so the economy of God when it comes to justice is actually an economy of sharing. It's not an economy of just simply generosity or giving. Generosity needs to live to sharing. But again, the, the, the key to getting to a place of sharing is to get to a place of loving. And, and love is really the most profound weapon that we have to change both our own hearts and to change the world. So when we fall in love with people, it's easier to share. I share, I share my salary with my kids because I love them, you know. I share my, all of my income with my family and those in my community because I love them, you know. So that's when we begin to move to justice is when we begin to start loving. So charity is not enough. Charity actually just leaves the systems of the world like they are. Um, Marx, Marx uh, who's probably not popular to quote on a Christian uh, thing, talked about the opium of the masses, religion being the opium of the masses, you know. And in a, in a sense, this, um, this thing is very true, that, that we just want to soothe our consciences, just give enough so that our consciences are soothed, so that, that we don't have to bring any transformation in the world. But if we're going to bring transformation in the world, it requires us to go deeper, and requires us to give everything we are. We belong, all of us belong to God. It's, it's his, everything is his. How do we share it? How do we create a world where, where people care for one another and love, love one another deeply? So it's getting a sense, there's also this vision, this picture of the world that we dream of, a picture where everyone has enough, where there, there isn't a needy person among, amongst us, where you know people are not othered all the time, where refugees are not chased away, where where we stand up against war, it's because we love, you know? So, yeah. That's so good. I, I mean, on that, can you just describe maybe how you see, you know, it, sort of that vision, that ideal picture of if, if the church and the, you know, the, 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 the middle class, I guess, and the upper classes in South Africa, because really the power is in our hands to do this. If we all, you know, sort of, um, committed to that transformation and really were radical and, and took action, you know, well, how do you see, what does that, what does that look like? And, 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 and uh, I don't know if you can just describe that vision. I think it would, you know, it would help yeah. in terms of yeah. seeing where we can move to. Yeah, I think, um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a picture of wholeness, isn't it? Uh, and, and that's essentially what the gospel is about. The gospel, the good news, is about wholeness. It's about us having a restored relationship with God, a restored relationship with each other, a restored relationship with, other, with the environment. You know, it's, it's all of that. Um, and it's more, you know, it's, it's this picture that, um, of shalom, if you like. The word shalom talks about wholeness or, or an absence of conflict on all of our borders, true peace on our borders economically, true peace on our borders um, uh, spiritually, emotionally. Um, in, uh, I mean, I, I see um, us actually taking seriously um, caring for one. I mean, at the heart of it is love, you know. Um, the world I dream of, I suppose, is one where, where we, I mean, you look at the pictures in Revelation where there's no more tears, where there's no more suffering, where there's no more hurting. Um, it's a, and those, that world is a world where at the heart of it is that we care deeply for one another. We're not going to, we're not going to exploit one another in order to, to gain for a few. We're not going to exploit the environment. We're not going to, um, 
and, and, and that's the, the challenge with that is that everywhere you go in the world, we're confronted by this thing of exploitation. The cell phone that we're talking on is is um, there's two key minerals in there that are that are purchased from Congo, you know, and and there's child soldiers that that are used to and and children that are used to extract these minerals and. Um, literally, I think it's it's the figures are, you know, in the um, I think it's nearly ten or fifteen million people have died um, in the conflict in the Congo as a result of the. I mean, that's more than 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 the genocides of the Holocaust and and um, the you know, and we look at those those kinds of things and and we realise that in everything in every purchase we make, we need to begin to think how do we how do we advance justice. Um, how do we advance? Because we believe in people. When we buy our clothing, is it okay that we buy clothing from factories that are in Bangladesh and India where children um, with small hands are, are used to sew intricate patterns? Or, or are we going to start to look for fair trade type materials? Or are we going to start to – because if we love people, we're going to start to think differently about the decisions we make. Um, uh, and the world is 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 not not right, and I don't think we can change the whole world. You know, um, we're certainly not the saviors. Christians, we 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 are called to be a sign of hope. Um, we're called to demonstrate that a different world is possible around us. If you come into my home, um, I hope that you'll find a place of love. I hope that you'll find a place where it demonstrates that there's racial justice, there's equality. Um, but even if you just step outside of my flat you'll see racial injustice, you know, you'll see greed and consumerism, materialism, individualism, patriarchy manifesting all around us. But we can try to, in our lives, demonstrate that, that another world is possible just around us, you know. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> no, that's very good. I, um, if I could just ask, so your organization is called Neighbors. Um, if you can tell us a little bit of sort of um, what you're doing in the community and maybe how people can, can be involved. I know, um, you know, a friend of mine, Eloise, suggested that I follow you on Facebook and that in and of itself is amazing to see the things you're involved with. Um, but, it, you know, it's great to just be aware of some of the issues going on that otherwise we have no visibility of. So I think that's an obvious yeah. one. But in what other ways can people maybe be a part of what you're doing, maybe come and see? maybe contribute you know yeah. if, if you have some ideas there yeah just in essence i think when we first moved to hillbra we 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 came as a family and, and essentially um we've tried to demonstrate that that this is this doesn't require superheroes this requires ordinary people who prepare to lay down their lives and um so our vision isn't for a big ngo that runs all sorts of things our vision is that Ordinary people within churches around the country, around the world, begin to live differently and demonstrate that 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 we care. So we've moved into solidarity. We've moved into a community and standing in solidarity with that community. And we're asking the question all the time: What does solidarity look like? I think at the heart of the gospel is this this idea of neighbourliness. So how do we become good friends to our neighbours? And how, sorry, how, how do we become uh, yeah, good friends to our neighbors and then good neighbors to our friends. And so we practice neighborliness. That's what we've called our organization, Neighbors. Uh, you can go to neighbors.org.za to kind of 
look a little bit at our story on 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 the, the interweb. Um, but uh, we, we've called ourselves neighbors because we believe that neighboring is at the heart of the gospel. So I think that there's sort of four ways that people can can help and get involved. The first is to pray for us. If you follow us on Facebook, send me a little Facebook message and I'll add you into our prayer group. The second is, um, and, and we value prayer. And honestly, we, we're seeing the work of prayer and the power of God in, in, in actually transforming situations. You know, The second area people can help is to, to come and volunteer with us in our community. Um, often that's not possible because many people live you know, out in the suburbs. But if you, have, if you stay close by and you can give a day a week or a day a month or you can come and contribute in some way, you know, um, contact us, come and attend one of our kind of meetings where we're having things. The third way people can help is by um, partnering with us financially. And um, we really are facing lots of challenges financially. So if you go on to um, the Neighbours website, neighbours.org.za, you'll see a link where you can donate. And our finances are administered by James 127 Trust, who's just amazing. They're running SAP for business, and they've got a whole internal audit committee with chartered accountants, and they're just administering our funds really well. But um, we really do need funding. We, we're very short at the moment. Um, we've got lots of needs in our community. Um, right now, if somebody's watching, we've got two, two kids in particular um, who stay upstairs who haven't had their school fees paid. And it's not a lot of money to pay school fees for a child in, in this community for the year. Um, we'd like to take them to – so if you, if you want to inbox us about that, that would be great. And then um, the fourth way that people can help, and I think uh, probably for this wider audience that might go out broader on Facebook, I think become a co-conspirator for a new world, you know. Where you are, let's be – let's um, – if, if – uh, if the powers that be and the systems of this world were to um, have a trial about those people who've attempted to change the world, will you be co-accused with me? And uh, say, we are the ones who are guilty. We don't believe the world should work this way. The world's crazy. This, this, this stuff of um, bombing your enemies, chasing away foreigners, um, politically persecuting those, this, this idea that just a few people should make decisions for everybody else and the whole economy should just, that world, that doesn't work for me. I'm living differently. I'm becoming a co-conspirator for a new world. And that world is going to be based on love, on justice, on mercy, on righteousness, on kindness, on um, sharing. It's going to be based on a different set of values. So where you are in your community, become a co-conspirator. Let's stand co-accused as ones who think that it can be different. So that's how you can help. <laughs> that's so good. Thank you. I mean, I think what's encouraging for me is, you know, I obviously chat to a lot of people who who have this heart. And I think, um, you know, and, and what's I think what's great about the interconnectedness of, of our world today is we get exposed to so much more um, and not just being spoon fed what, what we need to know, you know, and I think we need to push into that. And I think we need to raise kids that are, that understand the world is, isn't the way it should be and it can be different and, and we need to do everything we can, but it is, it, it's being loyal to that, 
you know, to that heart of, of wanting to step into a life that is all about making a difference, a difference and not just on the margins. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, something that, that, that I really want to encourage everybody watching, you know, you know, just start that conversation. I mean, speak to God, mm. speak to people, um, and, and, and be vulnerable and open about some of the desires that are on your heart and make sure that those things get fleshed out. And, and that, 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 mm. that's my desire as well. But Nigel, I obviously, um, you know, if you've got any, Anything else you'd like to share, maybe a specific story or anything, um, you're more than welcome, but I've taken enough of your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I just uh, can't reiterate enough for how just we, it's, it's ordinary people. It's not, we're not looking for a superhuman um, savior revolution. What we're looking for is ordinary people just making ordinary decisions out of love. And that's how we're going to change the world. And um, actually, you know, recognizing, uh, just to say this as well, you know, I, I, if you also read in the Beatitudes, uh, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, before you take the, the speck out your brother's eye, first take the log out your own eye. And that to me has been probably the most helpful part of my own journey, because when you start this journey, you can get incredibly judgmental. But the, the, one of the keys is to, is to just consist, consistently look at your own heart. The struggle for this new world starts with me starts with changing my attitudes of greed and my desire for the latest cell phone or newest, newer car or kitchen like my friends. or That's where, where it starts. It's un, unrooting that stuff out of my heart and saying, actually, I'm going to live for the king and his kingdom. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going I'm to give him everything. Eh? Yeah, I just, yeah, bro, it's been a privilege chatting to you, man. Really enjoyed it. Eh? Um, and all the best for your viewers as they go on this journey. Yes. Thank you so much, Nigel. Appreciate it. Bless you, and we'll stay in touch. Thanks, bud. Cheers, man. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.